Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my faithful co-host, Sean Gray. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Craig is also good, as you... <laughs> a stuttering start to what was going on uh, yes, last night as our, uh, in our aborted attempt to record the podcast. Yeah, yeah we stalled on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> that is, this is basically it, yes. yes. We had to be wheeled off into the pit lane temporarily. Um, but now, starting from last, we shall determinedly make our way through the field as we cover the Chinese Grand Prix. A beautiful, beautiful analogy for what happened. <laughs> it's not too bad, not too bad. So the Chinese Grand Prix is not not necessarily one of our, our standout Grand Prix of the season, is it usually? It's, um, I don't know, it's been more... a few decent ones, I think. I mean, yeah, but it's not like you don't go, oh, yeah, Chinese Grand Prix. That's the one, you know, like you go, oh, Spa true. or ooh, yeah, Monza. Or even, ooh, Monaco, which isn't exactly great racing, but it's still, ooh, Monaco. Um mm-hmm. It's a decent track, isn't it? Um, yeah, it kind of quietly goes under the radar. Solid yet unspectacular. A little bit like Malaysia, maybe. Um, yes. You yeah, always so... generally get decent enough races there, but no one puts it as in their top three or four tracks for mm. whatever reason. Yeah, but hey, it was good. It was a good Grand Prix again. I make that 2 1. On good Grand Prix versus bad Grand Prix so yeah. far this season. So oh, yeah, well, and, and even then, I'd probably try and be be kind to the Australian Grand Prix and say that even you know it wasn't the best Australian Grand Prix you'll ever see, but it's you know uh, from what the racing that you get at Albert Park, you kind of have to expect races like it. So it was probably a, just a sort of a slightly below average maybe Australian Grand Prix. So uh, you know, out of out of three, sort of two and a half maybe. Yeah, okay. I can I can be twisted. I, I like the result from Albert Park, so I can be persuaded. <laughs> I thought I, you might. That takes me lovely into a nice segue that I did not like the result of the Chinese Grand Prix. As good, <laughs> as, good a Grand Prix as it was, uh, it was an excellent, enjoyable uh, Grand Prix from a neutral point of view. As a Ferrari fan, this was uh, a pretty tough one to take. Sebastian smashing it in qualifying getting on pole position and then somehow managing to lose ground in the championship to all of his main rivals, um, despite probably having the quickest package over the course of the weekend. So that's a little bit frustrating. Um, but yeah, as, it was... as far as the Grand Prix goes itself, it was a, gr- it was a very good watch. You know? Yes. The way I'd kind of liken to this is that probably for all of the fans of the top three teams, it, this is a bit like of a sort of, uh, I liken to it like a fruit salad. It's a, it's a whole mixture of stuff and you, you, you've got a few bits in there that you really like. You know, there's a, there's like a cherry or there's some nice, <laughs> nice apple or something like, but then there's a, an errant bit of pineapple or um, a kiwi in there that you you know pops rears its ugly head and, go, and sort of spoils the effect of the whole thing so <laughs> um nobody can be 100 percent happy and and probably at the end of the day everybody you know some sides of each of the garage can be fairly happy with the with their race but by, by the end of it so I, it's a bit different i'm trying to think about where to start with this one um and i 
I guess we start with our race winner, but we start at his qualifying. Because, um, or not even at qualifying, in um, FP3. Practice 3, with the um, explosion of Daniel Ricciardo's Renault engine, um, and all of the rush there was to change it in a couple of hours and get him... Did he, did he get only one lap in, in Q1 by the time that they'd got it all sorted? Yeah, I think remember? so. Yeah, I think so. They were literally working their way through Q1 to get it finished and out, got him out on track, and he just about managed to scrape through and sort of got up and, and, and qualified high enough to be, be all right. Uh, and then w- what a weird race, really. Um, of course, from qualifying, the Mercedes and the Ferrari were both on the harder tyre from Q2, and the Rebels had gone on to the softer tyre. Or they'd qualified on the fastest tyre, I guess. It's probably easier to say that, isn't it? Um, so we kind of were expecting that they'd be pitting really early and that'd be the end of their race, really. What was that? I'm right in saying that. That's what you kind of felt. Yeah, they didn't have the, they didn't have the pace in qualifying and on the slower tyre to to risk um, using it in qualifying. So they had to jump on to the, to the quicker tyre in Q2, whereas Ferrari and Mercedes were um, able to get through comfortably and thus start the race. So yeah, you know, barring accidents and safety cars, the way you would have looked at that, going into that, you would have expected Red Bull to be, you know, comprehensively probably the third um, fastest team and the first two um, being Ferrari and Mercedes relatively comfortably. What that did mean, though, was that when the safety car did come, it was a no-brainer for Red Bull to stick the to take the gamble and stick the the new tires on. And as we've seen, it worked absolutely perfectly for them, didn't it? So, yeah, it's just that sort of weird combination. I suppose, in a bit of a way, like the virtual safety car in the first race. Um, Sometimes the race just comes to you in in unexpected ways, um, but it has to be said that 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 fortuitousness sort of came because they'd kept themselves in contention on the ultra soft by making them last much longer than people had expected them to. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably fair, and I, I think that's what allowed them to then be you know chasing hard enough at the the stage where. Um, the two Toro Rossos decided they'd um, have a little synchronized. Uh, well, it wasn't synchronized really so much, was it? Was just to have a little uh, love-in session uh, at the, well, the second to last corner. I think they were trying to swap positions, weren't they? Well, that's, that's what I read. So they were just trying the, to change the order of the the running on track. Yeah, Gasly was going to be let let through, um, and Hartley said that what he what he'd done in all the previous sessions was let him through on the last corner. Um, and Gasly just sort of, I guess, switched off and went, <laughs> oh, there's a little bit of a gap on the inside here. He must be leaving that open for me, whilst Dylan Hartley was just going, uh, I think I'll just, you know, quietly uh, turn into the corner like I, like <laughs> I want to. Oh, my teammate appears to be here. Well, that's the end of my race then, uh, again. Um, and uh, track position for the front two, wasn't it, really, that, uh, that cost them... Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Then... They were they were already gone past the pits, um, so they had no 
choice in the matter. Although the safety car did take what a good a good couple of minutes after the incident to be called. Which the problem is, it's on the second lap. You've you've lost half of your advantage, haven't you? Because all the people that have stopped um, end up not only having stopped, but also jumping you. Yep. Like easy no, yeah, like thing. Yep. In Once some ways, you might as well hope that you, you know, you can do something by staying on the tires, which is what happened to Lewis Hamilton. Realistically, wasn't it? Is that they they might have had time to pit him, but thought that actually with the tires that they were on and the way that they were going to to run the race, that um, he'd be better off having track position and defending than attacking on um, newer tires. Yeah, absolutely. They completely underestimated how good the new tyres were going to be, basically. I think the the Mercedes guys, they re- actually released quite a, quite a good statement about, about the situation because they were getting so much sort of negative press, I think, regarding particularly Lewis. Um, they, they, held, they held their hands up and just said that we, we didn't think the, 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 new, the new rubber was going to be that good, and it was. They thought Lewis would have a chance um, to defend, and as it was, they just breezed past not just Lewis, but they breezed past Kimi, they breezed past Bottas, they breezed past pretty much everybody. Um, so it just goes to show you the, you know, the benefit of a brand spanking new set of of grippy tires. Um, even now, even sort of three, four, five years after Pirelli's sort of introduction to Formula One, it's still a massive massive boost to have those those quicker tires on yeah um uh, I, did you because th- they, they weren't because what well, we had um ultra soft softs and was it uh no it was was it oh, ultra soft super softs and softs or did we skip one i can't remember the pirelli compounds man god almighty how many well, this is this season about eight different ones yeah there's um Hard, medium, soft, super soft, and ultra soft, isn't it? This weekend, I think we had medium, soft, and super soft. So I think what... No, I think it, we we skipped one thing. So I think we might have had medium, soft, and ultra soft. But that's possibly true. We definitely had the mediums and the, the softs. because those. Then were we the had two, the ultra softs as well. The, we, yeah. So those were the two race tires. So um, basically everybody was on the mediums. The slower tire. So everybody was on old slow tires, and Red Bull went on to new fast tires. So you but, can kind but, of see how they were able to breeze past so quickly. Yes, but and, but interesting that they were that much faster on what was, um, I guess. I mean, I, I suppose you, you, you're right, aren't they? That they were trying to um, trying to make those. Uh... Well, no. What was so? They both both Mercs went onto the medium. Pretty much everybody went onto the medium Apart after, from the first round, after the first round of pit stops because they thought they were going to the end. They didn't expect to stop again. So everybody had to go to the medium to get to the end of the race. Yeah, all the one-stoppers, wasn't it? And then Seb was on the soft after his first stop and everybody assumed no. that he was... Because no, he that was the whole point, wasn't it? It was that he was... Oh, no, no, that's that was the previous race, wasn't it? Sorry, I'm getting myself confused. I'm Sorry, getting confused. Yes. You can't, I'm getting confused now <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, that's right. Everybody jumped onto the medium because um, everybody expected a sort of one-stop race without the safety car, which is if the safety car hadn't have come out, then I think that's what we would have had. 
um, and we would have had Bottas and, and Seb at the front from Hamilton and then the Red Bulls and then Kimi who was all out of sync because he was used as Ferrari's <laughs> the buffer, the blocker, the, <laughs> the Kimi blocker. It was, I don't know how you, you felt that there was a, a, apparently, um, I thought this is fairly unusual really for, for the Italian press and stuff. There was a quite a lot of, um, fairly unhappy and, and not positive media sort of reports about Kimi's treatment in the race that they felt that, you know, because he'd driven so well in quality, you know, he'd only, only just sort of been pipped for pole and was driving, driving well, that it was very unfair that he had been made to just, you know, basically hang out there in the hope that he could take a, you know, a couple of tenths off of a lap of, of Bottas as he came around. Yeah. As I always say, when, when this topic is conversation comes up about Ferrari, it, Everybody knows what the score. Kimmy knows what the score is. The fans know what the score is. You know, it, it is what it is. So it doesn't. It doesn't particularly bother me to see this happen because prayer is Sebastian Vettel going for the world championship ultimately. So I'm okay with it as a Ferrari fan. Um, I didn't really see any of the the negative press that, that you're referring to. Um, yeah, I'm just a it was bit more surprised. It... Sorry, mate. So I was just gonna say, it's like it's not really, it's not news, is it? Like you know, it's no, and know. that's kind of what surprised me that, especially of all the sort of press that the the Italian press got so so up in arms. It's like it's hardly the worst thing that's happened to Kimi in his career in terms of you know having to do stuff to back up a uh, another yeah. driver. So um, Brundle in the commentary box was kind of it was either Brundle or Crofty. I think it was actually Brundle. Um, Saying, oh, I'd be disappointed to see this in, you know, only three races into the season and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, mate, we would have seen this in Albert Park if the opportunity had allowed it, because that's the way <laughs> teams built. Like, he's he is an, he is a number two driver. Like, it's not, you know, the, make no qualms about it. That's what he's there for. And if he wasn't happy doing that role, he wouldn't be in the seat. Nico Hulkenberg or Roman Grosjean or somebody else would be in the seat who would do mm-hmm. that role. Like, that's just the you know, so to to but to, to bemoan it at any point for me is just kind of missing the point. You know, that is what it is, and it's not news. So let's move on. You know, <laughs> not really. No, you. I'm. I'm. I am with you there. I think at this point, you know, um... for me, it's like if a football team signed a defender and they went, "Why is he not playing up front? Why is he not playing that? Why is he not playing that player up front? Well, that's not what he's there for." You know, no, you buy you, you know, you buy a utility midfielder who can play here, yeah, there, and everywhere. It's not, it's not he'll probably better goes a season, you know. No, and, like, and he'll probably start on the bench as well, but he can come on when you need him to do the job that you need yeah, him to do. It's a team sport ultimately, and the team objective is to win the world drivers' championship. And if they can win the constructors' championship alongside that, great. But the Ferrari, Ferrari haven't won the drivers' championship since since Kimmy himself, <laughs> ironically, yeah. in 2008. So. <laughs> that's 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 that is the ultimate goal for them, and and they will design their team, drivers included, to to achieve that. So it's just for me every time I hear, you know, pundits are like saying, "Oh, what's going on here with Kimmy?" It's like, well, come on, it's old news. We, this is how it works. Let's move on. And in the, <laughs> the funniest thing is he ended up finishing third, and Vettel yeah. finished eighth. So I mean, the Red Bull strapped on the. You know the quicker tire. Like I said, they're on. Everybody's on old slow tires, and Red Bulls are on fast, grippy tires. So, 
And I mean, fair play to Mercedes for coming out and saying, oh, we thought we could hold them off on track position. I think they were kind of banking on modern Formula One, difficult to overtake and stuff like that. But it wasn't a contest. They just drove right past them. And uh, it looked like we should have a Red Bull one too. Ricardo, some superb overtakes. Um, Mm. Deservedly won the race with some absolutely cracking overtakes, admittedly on the quicker tyres. And his teammate is not in my good books, <laughs> put it that way. Should, should have fin- actually should have finished first. Yes. People keep people were saying no, should have fin- people were saying he should have finished second if he hadn't hit Vettel. Well, you know he should have finished first if because he has a head of Ricardo on track mm-hmm. after the stops and made a mess of going past Hamilton. So actually, Max probably should have won the race. Ricardo gets by. Ricardo goes on to win the race. Faultless drive situation made the most of the circumstances that were presented with him which is what Danny Rick is making a little bit of a name for himself doing Max um, funnily enough after the incident in Bahrain had he taken that on board with a contact to Lewis didn't seem like it doesn't look like it threw himself away a possible victory threw himself away a double uh, podium finish a 1-2 for Red Bull and then finishes fifth and ruined my day by taking out <laughs> Sebastian Vettel, which is really annoying. So what's your assessment <laughs> of Max Verstappen after two well, week, two weekends in a row now where we're talking about Max Verstappen and his, not his ability because no one questions his ability, but his, I don't know, how would you describe it? Pe- is petulance the word? Impatience maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's what I used to say. I actually think that he was, that what he really wanted to do was go for the record of the most number of times Lewis Hamilton has been passed by a single driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I think was three by the end of it, didn't he? Because he got him at the start as well. And that's true. I'd passed, him once, about passed him once and then sort of came back again, then hit Vettel and had to pass him again. So, yeah. Um, I, like I see, should have won the race. He should have. I guess the the only interesting kind of actually, there's there's something else that I'll, I'll bring up in a in the F1 banter show. But um, one of the interesting things that was brought up was um, last year, Danny Kvyat <laughs> driving the Red Bull into Vettel loses his seat. You know he's. Mm-hmm said, you know, I had a couple of questionable moves that didn't come off and cost points to the team in bits and pieces. And everybody said, well, you know, he's not very good, is he? And Max has done the same sort of things and nobody's saying that he isn't. Now, I am not saying that I think Max Verstappen and Danny Kvyat are the same level. But it's very interesting that he... um, He's been he given a dropped. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say that he got dropped so unceremoniously for Max, which is more to do with about who they want, you know, about seat placing more than anything else. But it's it's surprising that the like sort of Kvyat hasn't sort of turned up at another team. I mean, he's he's at Ferrari now doing all of the sim stuff and he's doing that wet weather test and bits and pieces. So good on him. But you know, it's kind of surprising, almost. That you know, th- there wasn't more talk of him popping up in a, in another seat somewhere else, because um, presumably he brings some amount of Russian money with him. Um, I'd have probably said that unless Sorokin is bringing in a significant amount more, he'd have been a better choice for the Williams seat alongside Stroll, because at least you could have said that Kvyat knows what it's like to drive, you know, at the front and have a car capable of overtaking in bits and pieces, and 
Uh, Stroll's done the best he can in his, you know, in his rookie season, but he's not bringing on that car, and Sirotkin certainly isn't bringing on that car. Um, and all of that sort of played through my mind whilst I was thinking about it, and just going, you know, we're not we're not talking about setting, telling Max Verstappen he needs to take a, a season out like we did to Roman Grosjean. It all feels a little bit. I feel a little bit sad for those drivers who are talented, maybe not as as much as Max, but got a absolute lashing in the public eye for similar mistakes. Um, you know, and, and, and Max is sort of being, Max is getting a bit, you know, oh, he's got to, he's got to calm down, just be a bit more patient, but nobody's saying, you know, he's an impetuous idiot who crashes into people. He needs to, you know, needs to be banned for three races so he can understand what he's doing. Cause he's, you know, well, you might think that, I guess, possibly, but <laughs> no, um, I, I completely agree with you on on pretty much everything you said there, particularly about Fiat and Williams. Um, yeah, he's got this. Max has got this sort of wunderkind brand um, that seems to have, uh, ab, you know, kind of his criticism in the media and amongst his peers for whatever reason doesn't come in the way that it would come for others um not really sure why that is to be honest but i i genuinely feel that some of it is to do with the fact that he's european and i I think that makes a difference i think the fact that kvyat was russian and thinking (laughs) about the things and you know max is the the dutch god now um you know he's the reason why there's a huge bank of orange in all of the stadiums seemingly these days um, yeah, it's becoming a bit of a cult following almost. Where and I think that's that's the that's the problem is that you know there wasn't that that Kvyat didn't have a huge following, so it there wasn't an, there wasn't a big outcry from people. Whereas you imagine if Red Bull actually had said, look, you know, we can't have this kid costing us race wins, you know, double double podium finishes because he can't wait a lap to pass a Vettel and a Hamilton who were on dead tires and were never going to be a threat. You know, why, you know, he could have absolutely have waited for the straight and, and yeah, of course he could, come yeah. off the last corner and, and probably overtaken them or done, done what Daniel Ricciardo did, which was, you know, pass them <laughs> in places where, you know, you're not going to have that kind of uh, kind of contact or like Alonso did on Vettel in the end. You know, in, in a place where you place the car and then everybody makes up their mind nice and early, not dive up the inside and, and expect that, you know, everybody's going to just get out of your way because you're faster. It might be a good thing for him. Just now it's two weekends in a row where we've come out and people are talking about what Max did in a negative light. And it might just be the perfect thing for him because we all know he's got the speed. If this allows him to hone up his racecraft a little bit, then that would probably be the last you know, piece of the puzzle for him. So if he if he takes the mistakes on board and learns from it, then the and in, in, in a year or two's time he's a world champion, and we can look back and say, you know, fair play to Max. He, you know, he sorted it, he sorted it right out and turned it around. So it might be good for him. I think I, I think he's he's not stupid. He, he comes across as a very intelligent young man. So I, I do think he will. Um learn from this it's just it's a little bit 
frustrating for me as a Vettel fan and frustrating that <laughs> that's what we're talking about as opposed to Danny Ricardo's, you know, world, <laughs> some of his moves were, were you know, oh. out of this world. So, yeah, you know, like, you know, but I think, I think Max will, I think he will learn from it. You see, he's, like he's I mean, he has to, I mean, he has to really, because you can't, you literally just can't keep on doing that. Yeah, of there is only a limited amount of patience that any any F one team will have with somebody who makes mistakes, no matter even if they're they're fast the other amount of time. Um, consistency is a key. Um, finishing races and scoring points is always uh, going to be, especially in in stuff like this, especially when Red Bull were probably thinking about constructors' championships and where they can finish. They're going to have to try and pick up the points where they can, and you know, when yeah, this could have been a great opportunity. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of points dropped. Um, because let's make no bones about it, they were the third fastest team. Mm, and no one near to were. were they really? They were on pace. They were the third fastest team. Yet they could have had a one-two maximum points. No pun intended. <laughs> ah. um, so, like, like you say, if they're going to challenge at the top of the constructors' championship, these are the weekends they need to be getting a lot. And they didn't because of Max is silliness. So going forward, be it's an interesting one to to see how he how he reacts going forward. That's it. I mean, obviously he made mistakes this weekend, but you can't deny he isn't box office. He's always good to watch, whether for the good or the bad. And I guess that's why another reason why he, he sometimes is a little bit more immune from criticism than others because people love to watch him, you know. And so that's that kind of maverick style is always in any sport going to gain you know a bit of a bit of a following so it'd be interesting to see how he bounces back um but he definitely lost definitely a, a second and possibly a race win here but full credit to danny rick for for knocking out the park and absolutely capitalizing and and second and third to the two fins um reckoning got a bit lucky they both did the, in, in their own sort of way i guess uh, like Bottas could have been compromised so much more and ended up not. Raikkonen was utterly compromised and and it all sort of dropped in his lap that third place really. So, um, and then you got the man we have we've literally not even spoken about <laughs> the world champ Lewis and nothing race and absolutely place. nothing nothing weekend either complete not, not an event. What's that about at all? Uh, I think we discussed it. Um, in the previous program, uh, and funnily enough, Nico Rosberg to the um, the vehement uh, howling of it's the poisonous. Internet. It is poisonous. To- toxic doesn't even begin to describe. Um, but pointed out that when Lewis gets in a f- sort of funk about stuff, it affects his racing, and I don't think that that's like that. Certainly, that's just an observation because he's been like that his entire career. When he gets behind something and he can't just sort of drag himself out of it, it does affect his racing. He doesn't get right on it and he doesn't pull out those super laps or those amazing overtakes that he's utterly capable of doing. When he feels, you know, when it's when he's centred himself, you know, he can be utterly un- untouchable like he was uh, essentially in Australia. Do you know what I mean? He blitzed qualifying, looked amazing in the race and was unlucky not to to win that race. But Having done that, that seemed to affect Bahrain. And then from there, he's just sort of turned up here, just going, well, almost like, well, what is it going to be this weekend? You know what I mean? What's what's going to happen to me this weekend? And didn't ever seem to get the car quite quite under control. 
Um, unlucky, un- unlucky with the with the with the stop, I guess. Unlucky that Mercedes decided that track position was king and not stopping him. But yeah, but if the safety car doesn't come, he still finishes behind. Um, uh, well, he's he's not improving better, so. either way, is it? Probably in that in that yeah. in that sense, he's still probably fourth by the time it all. He might have nicked third. Um, no, maybe, yeah. maybe from Kemi, possibly. I guess, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't. The interesting thing is that he doesn't beat Bottas in qualifying or in the race, and I think that was the same in Bahrain. So, if the Mercedes was just a bit under par for whatever reason, couldn't get the car set up right, you could just put it down to that. But you know, Bottas is comprehensively done him the last two weeks. So I think it, I think it's deeper. I think it is what you say. I think it's his, his mind and his mental, and sometimes he just gets gets like that. Um, he snookers he, himself, doesn't he? He, yeah. he puts himself in a position, I think, where he mentally can't see the shot he's going to do to get himself back into play. And then usually usually it comes at a break, doesn't it? We usually go away for two weeks um, or the, the sort of mid-season break before Europe. And then he comes back and seems to have gotten it all together again. Yeah. So, um, no, that's true. Whether we'll but, see him at the next race be a bit more on it, I don't know. We'll wait and see, I guess. So he was fourth and then you've got, yeah, Vettel ended up finishing eighth. Um Hulkenberg with a good finish for Renault, but I think that's a, the drive of somebody who's managed to stay out of all the of all trouble and finished as, as good as the non top three teams could probably have, have expected to have finished that race. About, yeah, that's fair. You know, Nick would seem to just avoid, avoid all the all the dramas, and then I mean, the yeah. Renault looked good this weekend. They qualified well as well, so it, it's not. I'm not saying that you know. Uh, He's lucked into it or anything, but it's he wasn't really chasing anybody down at kind of any point during the race where you were sort of following him going, oh, you know, he's going to have to take these three places to get back into his, you know, where he could be. He just, you know, was at all the right places at the right time and and didn't lose out anywhere. Um, and interesting in a way that he finishes ahead of Fernando Alonso, whose race was massively compromised by the uh, safety car because he literally he pitted the the lap before it came out so of all the people who pretty much lost out on the one stop strategy it was him and magnuson who both stopped about the same time uh, and then everybody else got a free pit stop really so yeah i mean a, a bit more luck there for fernando and he could have been right in there with um well maybe even pushing pushing fourth and fifth um well that's the way it goes um i still think oh, it's absolutely. a pretty, pretty decent result for for Nicked, um, I don't know, absolutely. Mugged Seb at the end when Seb was <laughs> limping home after Must have Max's. felt just a little bit nice, even though even <laughs> if he knew it was all down to the fact that the car was sli- slightly buggered underneath. But you know, when, when Max knocked into Seb and um, and they got back going again, I think Vettel was in in sixth at the time, and, and but obviously you know the, he was he was limping home by that point, and then Hulkenberg and Alonso both got past him, and with every. Every guy that overtook Vettel at that point, I was just my heart was sinking. I was like, he's going to end up finishing out with the points here. Eh? So I mean, he's in the end. He's limped home in eighth. Um, it is what it is. You know, he's had two good week, two good wins. We we've had a bad weekend here. We go again. Like he's still top of the still top of the championship. So I think it's good in a way because it keeps the championship from getting too stretched at this early stage. And in a way, you know, if you if you try and neutralise it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah like, neutral fan. Me, absolutely, hundred percent agrees. Sean, that's sick of Mercedes winning for the last four years. It's like, no, nope, I want Seb to win every Grand Prix all season <laughs> long. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally accept your point. And um, 
Science good result in ninth, and Magnuson the other two guys in the points. Uh, I think he, that's a salvage for Magnuson because I think the house was better than that, that that showed, and he was running higher and was really seriously comp. You know the fact that you know uh, he and, and Alonso were on the same strategy, and you know Magnuson probably had uh, a smoother overall package than than Alonso that race, but finishes you know. Um, three places behind him, what would have probably yeah. been two without Vettel's issue. Out- He's not, not happy for Haas, but probably better than what could have happened. Outside of the points, um, still, no luck for, yeah, still no luck for Force India. They're just, they're but, just not. But a better showing though, isn't it? 11 yeah. from half, because they've been sort of 14th, 15th in the last sort of thing. Although, Slight improvement, yeah. Again, first lap, the managed to find each other on track and And they finished only one second apart or something as well. They finished right on the line together. It's remarkable how close these two guys are every week, you know. Equal machinery and relatively equal abilities, I suppose. It it does seem that way, Um, which doesn't do Perez any any favours, given that Ocon is the younger of the two and is obviously going to be the one that people are looking at, probably, for those future seats. Um, Absolutely. It kind of needs to be be much better than Ocon to say, well, look, I'm I'm here and ready now. Now it kind of seems, yeah, you could flip a coin and take either one of them, and they'd probably do you about the same job. Um, other other people to have poor weekends. I, you know what? I don't even want to talk about Williams. They were poor again, and I don't have anything else to say about them. I think I've said it all in the last couple of weeks. Like, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Fourteenth, fifteenth, enough said. And Toro Rosso couldn't repeat Bahrain as we kind of questioned whether they would be able to yeah. do so. Uh, I think they, you know, they went from somewhere where there was um, the the chance for their package to to work well to somewhere much more closely defined by by overall car performance and were found probably where we would expect a Honda and Toro Rosso combination to be, which is head of the Williams and ahead of the Saubers and not much else. Um, and sorry, and <laughs> Gasly's moment of again Bad. impatience, you know, not waiting for the proper gap and stuff, and and just kind of going for it, it was just that's going to happen to that team again and again this season. There's just going to be silly things like that from both of those drivers, um, and ultimately it probably cost, given where they were, you know, they probably you know they might have had a shot at. That dicing with Van Dorn nearer the end of the 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 race because he didn't have a, a good one again with with sort of every, everything happening with the stops. Had it all gone well for them, you know, they might have been up around there, maybe even challenging with the Force Indies. But as it is, relegated themselves to the back of the pack. They were never going to overtake anybody really in 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 with the way the race was going, and that was them done. Yeah, it's one of those weekends or weeks um, where there was so much going on towards the front that it was a little bit tricky to kind of keep up with hmm. some of the tail enders as to what happens. Like, for example, I'm just looking at the times and, you know, Marcus Ericsson's managed to finish 20 seconds ahead of Charles Leclerc, which on paper looks like that's a pretty good result for Marcus Ericsson. And then I'm thinking, well, I'm not quite sure what happened to me. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was about to say. That kind of thing gets missed because you've got Danny Ricardo um, passing everybody for fun out front or you've got Max Verstappen crashing into people. And 
kind of some of the smaller nuances like oh how did Ericsson finish so far ahead of Leclerc or what happened to um, Grosjean for example yeah. he finished nowhere like, and I'm just like no I, I can't remember I can't sure. remember what happened to Roman either yeah, he's, he's finished nowhere and I'm just kind of like well there was that much going on up front that I can't <laughs> quite remember what happened there but yeah so but uh, yeah I mean on paper looks a decent weekend for Ericsson beating his teammate anyway um not sure not sure what happened to Roman no not sure no no um this I have a question. What, this, sorry. What was, uh, sorry. Go, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say, Ricardo's won the race. Brilliant drive. Is he in the title hunt? Everybody in the media seems to be suggesting that now Danny Rick's in the title challenge. Do you? Does, do, do we truly believe that from here he can, no. can go on and challenge for who, the title? Who, who thinks that? I don't. <laughs> that's a, that is the problem with F1 journalism these days, is that they everybody, everybody who reports that story, everybody who's written an article saying... Red Bull are there challenging for the title. Did it to get clicks. They did it. Yeah, to it's get like they views. don't know what's actually what what's going on or what. No, the relative. Red Bull. You know, Red Bull pick up an odd race win pretty much every every season in the hybrid season, but they've been rubbish. Don't you know? In comparison to what they were, do you know what I mean? Um, they've been nowhere near. But you know, they pick up the odd race wins here and there. They they develop the car enough so at the end of the season they pick up. You know, they can they can get places. You know, Nick Nick second and third maybe off the teams when it's when it's not a, a perfect race but that that ultimately doesn't make them in the title hunt unless we get the chinese grand prix every weekend <laughs> that's what they need is is the front four tripping over themselves all the time and then them able to steal a march with a, a you know a contra strategy or a, a a safety car at the right time um but you know danny rick's in a good place to get a decent finish by the end of the season, but I, I, I highly suspect that what we've got, Azerbaijan, Spain and Monaco, I don't think we'll see them do that well in Azerbaijan because the only places to really pass there are stupidly long straights. It's not going to suit their car. The Spanish GP, as we know, is not exactly you know, uh, a track for lots of serious overtaking. It's pretty processional. And Monaco their car might suit that, so they might do better in qualifying than there. But it's not, you know, that's a roll of the dice, isn't it? it to see whether yeah. they turn up with a car that can really, you know, challenge based on chassis compared to what the other teams have got. So, give those those. I suspect after those three races, nobody will be talking about Red Bull as title <laughs> contenders. Prove, prove I, me wrong, Christian. Prove me wrong, but <laughs> I don't see it myself. No, no, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. It's just um, that would seem to be the the natural post race reaction from a lot. We want of, it to be, don't we? We want it to be, but will it? Yeah, it's wishful thinking, I think, from a lot of people, a lot of the commentators. But it's hard to see how realistically they can they can challenge because I've said it at the start of the show. But they were third best this weekend, and they did brilliantly to capitalise on the situation that was presented to them, but. They were third I mean, best. Daniel Card has been a sort of legendary slayer there, isn't he? He's just gone through and just like scythed his way through the opposition. And it looks great and stuff, but how often is he going to have the chance to do that? And I don't think it's going to be all that often. Agreed. But he was still my driver of the day. Oh, absolutely. He was Take still, it you can. And it was still a generally a feel-good result. Um, a feel-good result with a good Grand Prix. So other than Vettel's uh, mishap, quite a... Uh, Quite happy. 
Absolutely. Well, I think that takes us nicely to the end of our race review from the Chinese Grand Prix of 2018. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us deconstruct the race and all the important po- points from it. Uh, next up from us will be the F1 banter episode. Uh, so I hope that you will join us for that. And then after that, it will be Baku. Uh, and we'll see what happens when the teams turn up in the uh, the ancient streets in the... Uh, far- oh, I always get it wrong with Azerbaijan. Is it? It's not Far East, is it? It's I have East. absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Middle East. Oil, no that's idea. all I know, isn't it? Oil <laughs> and the big, huge flag in the middle of the uh, <laughs> in the middle of the city. That's all I know, really. Uh, so yeah, so as Azerbaijan ne- next time out, uh, and we hope you'll join us for that one as well. So thanks from me, thanks from Sean, and we'll see you then. Bye bye. Cheers.